When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to your latest Royal Blue Podcast here at the Liverpool Echo. I'm Sam Carroll. To my right, I've got the Everton correspondent that is Adam Jones, fresh from Marco Silva's pretty interesting press conference this afternoon. And to my left, we've got Paul Wheeler. Good afternoon, gents. Good afternoon, Sam. So I think there's only uh, one place to start, and we'll go to you, Paul, seeing as you're on my favoured left foot. Uh, the midweek Carabao Cup exit to Southampton. Marco decided to make a, a lot of changes in the game, uh, and there's been a bit of debate in the office today. Was that team strong enough to beat that Southampton side? Beforehand, when I looked at it on Twitter on the way to the game, looks at our, uh, you know, our live blog and seeing the team come through, I was disappointed because it's not our strongest team. Uh, I thought seven changes were too many. But then I looked at it again, I thought, yeah, it, it is good enough to beat that team. You know, we wanted Bernard in there. We wanted uh, Luckman to come in. But having watched the game in full and having uh, walked out of the ground very angry, like I'm sure many Evertonians were, and thought about the last couple of days, I don't know whether if some of those players are good enough, unfortunately. I certainly know Stecklenberg <laughs> is not good enough. Uh, but that's, that's not being, that that's, that's might sound really harsh, but I, I saw no reason whatsoever that Pickford could not have played on, on Tuesday mm. night. I don't know whether it made that much bigger difference to the end results, but I still think he should have played. Uh, and it kind of like underlined the worries that we've talked about on this podcast and over on over Everton podcast in recent weeks about the midfield and up front. Uh, I, I certainly know, I probably, and I probably won't get too many friends for saying this, but I certainly take Danny Ings over our forwards at the moment because I think he knows where the back of the net is. <clears throat> and he seems to definitely know the back of the net against Everton, doesn't he? He's done it now for Burnley, Liverpool and Southampton. But it, it did make me feel like maybe some of those players who are on the fringes are just are going to be on the fringes and they're there for a reason. I, I just For me, it wasn't a case of whether they're good enough or not. The fact that Marco Silva went in and made so many changes in itself was the issue for me. Look, we'd just come off the back of what was a really you know, morale boost and three 0 win against Fulham if if nothing else. Like that second half performance especially, I think we really harassed them from the front, really got in their faces. We made we really made that feel like a home game. And I don't think we've done that a lot this season to be honest. I think maybe the first half against Southampton we did. But uh I d I don't think I don't think really we've seen that since then. And to make so many changes going into a game like that, it's still Premier League opposition. Let's not forget Southampton. Like they, I know they made a few changes themselves, but you know when you when you make those changes, you're always running the risk that you're gonna fall flat on your face. Because at the end of the day, football takes no prisoners. You are gonna get punished if you if you slip up. And surely, if you're bringing in seven players, like I know. Marco Silva said after the game, you know, Cenk Tosin was first team not so long ago, so was Morgan Schneiderlin, and I get it. They're very good players and they should have performed better. But if you really wanted to make sure that you were going to win that game, like Marco Silva said, he said he wanted to prepare to win that game. Well, if you really wanted to win it, why not play your first team? Or why not make maybe two or three changes, not make seven? Because I think from the first whistle, really, 
the first 10 minutes of that game were in stark contrast to the first 10 minutes against Fulham. Even the first 10 minutes against West Ham, I think we probably dominated that match because it was high energy, press, pressing from the front, forcing defenders into mistakes, and that's that's something that really connects with the home crowd. Instantly, when you see that many changes happening, you know, you're getting players who are trying to get used to each other on the pitch before they're even they're even going and trying to press their opponents and I think we really we really made a big mistake in my opinion making that many changes and yeah you, you, I, I do see the argument that those players should have done better but I think Marco Silva should have done better yeah do you think then as uh, our man Chris Beasley pointed out this week that it's going to be by the end of this season the longest period in Everton's history that they haven't lifted the trophy for then do you think the blame solely lies at Silva's feet or do you think no, the manager's been dragging a few people in this week and saying you should perform better. I don't think the, la- the blame can lie solely at anyone's feet. I think it, it was just a, cu- a culmination of factors that led to a really, really dismal and drab performance. I think so. So Silver's team selection, he had his reasons behind it, but I think that has now been quite emphatically proven wrong, in my opinion. And then you've got you've got some players who were playing in that match who just. I don't know what it was, whether it was a lack of energy, a lack of intent, but there was there was just something not right about some players in that performance for me. I think, through to be honest, through little fault of his own, I think Kieran Dowell didn't have his, his best game. I think we really missed Gilfie Sigurdsson's sort of intensity in that number 10 role. It's guile, I think, wasn't it? Well, that's it, and it, that's not really Dowell's game, but we were, yeah. we were playing in a similar... A similar setup, despite the changes, they all just, they were all just straight swaps essentially to to play in the same setup, like that that sort of four three three that we've been playing all season. And the problem is that Dowell just doesn't fit into the mold that Sigurdsson's left there. Sig- Sigurdsson is, as you said, so so full of guile, so full of energy. You know, Dowell really needs to be that technical force, like get on the ball a bit more, try and influence the game a little bit more than. He just didn't have that kind of service. I don't think look, we had Luchman and Bernard coming inside a lot, and they they were taking the ball off him a little bit. And I don't think it was much of a surprise to see him taken off. But then he, he wasn't the only one. I think Morgan Schneiderlin. I think he'll stand up and say he didn't have his best game, especially this season. Tom Davis again. I think, especially in the second half, of the game tended to bypass him a little bit, bypass the whole midfield. To be honest, like we were, we were doing oof ball a bit, and then you've got Cenk Tosin. Like there was that one opportunity in the first half where he gets the ball inside the box and he's trying to like shuffle it onto. Was he trying to shuffle it onto his left foot for some reason? And then instead of shooting, it's just. I think he took more touches than I've ever seen him have in an Everton shirt inside the penalty. <laughs> he managed to take about forty-five touches, didn't yeah, he? Just to try and get it out of his feet, and then he was just, then he was just tackled every single time. It's just, just smacked to me of a striker lacking in confidence but it's which is which is so weird considering he, he got actually scored at the weekend yeah it's just with Tosin I just if he's not scoring I ask what he does yeah. and I think earlier in the season the Wolves game he got about their centre-backs didn't he a lot and mm. we need that if you're not going to have a goal scoring forward you need someone who occupies the centre-backs and at the moment I just don't see him doing that I don't see him out muscling a centre-back or dragging him left and right to allow people to, to nip inside but just to go back to an earlier point, to me, it's it's a misstep on Silver's part. It's the, probably the first major one he's made of his Everton reign because it just sent out the wrong mentality. If you're yeah. sending that, whether he's right, the vast majority of those players who came in 
are maybe apart from Stecklenberg and apart from Dahl are first team players but it just says this is a second string team and it re- we we've had history of this haven't we recent history when it when that happens it it most most probably will go wrong like it did mm. the other night and i don't know it's just there's the, we all realize it's going to have to be patience you know a job of patience this for silver isn't it but the end of the day, it's as Chris Beasley point, rightly pointed out, it's going to be 25 years. We don't win the FA Cup this season, and that's a massive thing in our history, isn't it? You know, it, that's not acceptable to be honest. And this this will be probably our best. Well, sorry, it was our best chance to win the trophy this season. I think the problem is, as like as I said in my analysis after the game, I just don't see, especially over the last few years, I don't see why a manager hasn't targeted either the League Cup or the FA Cup and just gone, right, okay, well, if I win this tournament, then I'm instantly a club hero. Yeah. Like, cause yeah. He, 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 he goes down in, in, in history then. Like, the, yeah. ma- the man who finally breaks what has become a, an absolutely ridiculous trophy drought. Why, it's an embarrassing trophy drought for well, the, exactly. a club of this size, I mean, isn't it? Especially, like, when you consider Everton have never won the League Cup, yeah. ever. Like, yeah. why, I, do, I just don't see why Marco Silva wouldn't try and go as full strength as possible and just go, right, let's just, let's just make sure we, we win this thing. And then the, at, at the end of the day, that gets us into Europe. Well, We've had a good old moan about that game, and I think with the likes of, you know, for me personally, the performances of, you know, as you've said, Stecklenberg, Schneidlin, and Tosin, we, we could probably sit here and do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> but I'll start with Adam for this one, uh, because of his player ratings, Paul, that I'm sure that I'm sure you, you looked at after the game. There was two positives from mm. the defeat, and they were on either side of Cenk Tosin in the form of Bernard and Adam Ola-Luckman, two players who... As Marco said, they impressed him, and they impressed you as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I think they impre- impressed me in different ways as well. I'll start with Bernard because he's. The, I think he's the one that everyone universally looks a player. This lad doesn't yeah, he? he everyone universally thinks he's he he really looked good again against Southampton. It was his first start of the season, and he just carried on from those little cameos that we've seen so far, hasn't he? He just looks like he's got. He, for me, the way I described it is that he just looked on another level to everyone else on the pitch. Like I, f- I really do feel like if he'd have been in a sort of first team environment with a bit like a better better players around him with a bit more nous about him, you know, you, I can only presume he's got a, a, some sort of good chemistry with Charles. And you know, if he's if he's got someone making a few better runs ahead of him, then maybe we're, we're talking about someone who who's who got three or four assists. Yeah, like with with some of the passes that he was making. And his his touch is amazing, and I think what really impresses me is his amount of work rate. I think that that really became evident in that half that he had against West Ham. Yeah. Was it? And he came when he came on for that second half, and there was a moment when he when he knocked a uh, who was it? Was it Yarmolenko or Snodgrass? Did he knock? Did he knock him into the uh, into the stand a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah. Down uh, down the main stand end. Yeah. Like that. Like I love I love seeing that from such a like. A diminutive player, and yeah, it, it it was such a strong performance for me. And then I think Luchman had a really good game, but for different reasons. He probably didn't have the same amount of skill or technical ability, but the amount of effort that he put in to his game there was sensational for me. I think especially in the first half, he only had one thing in his mind: I want to score a goal. And I just I just feel like if there were more people in that Everton team who had that sort of similar mindset, then we'd have done a lot better. You know, thinking of likes of Dowell, Tosin, maybe even Tom Davis, throw throw him in there. You know, if they if they had that kind of direct attitude, as soon as Luckman got the ball any at any point, 
during that match, he was looking, right, how can I take on this defender? How can I move Everton forward? And that's that's what we were moaning about in the second half, really, wasn't it? Like There was a lot of grunts and grumbles when the likes of Schneiderlin and Davis were going backwards. But at the same time, there were grunts and grumbles when Luckman was trying to take it forwards and losing the ball. Like I'd, I'd, I don't really understand. I'd, yeah. I'd much rather see him try and go forwards and, yeah, maybe sometimes it doesn't come off. And, yeah, maybe he should have done a bit better with the chance that he had in the second half. Should probably be poking that past gun. But all in all, I think that's a, a really good display from a player that we've not really seen a lot of this season. And the, there were questions about his attitude. And I think, to be honest, he's he started to at least put those questions to bed for me. We looked then to, to hone in more on Bernard. If you're Marco Silva, has he done enough to start tomorrow against Leicester? Or today, depending on when you're listening? Yeah, I th- I think he has. And you know what I would have liked to have seen in the week? I was disappointed that Luckman came off You know when he mm. did. I thought he should have stayed on the pitch. Um, unlike a lot of supporters, I wasn't too fussed about seeing the ass come on because rightly or wrongly he makes things happen, which Tosin is not doing at the moment. And, you know, he did. He set up Walcott's goal, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So you've got to give him credit for that. Why hasn't the ass in League Cup games as well started playing in, like, the number 10 role? <laughs> that, was, that was, was dropping yeah, deep was and, like, hard, getting on the yeah. ball. Like, yeah. he, like, he picked up the ball, like, 40 <laughs> yards from goal, and I was just like, this is not where we need him on the ass. Like, if anywhere we need him, like, just inside the box for yeah. it to bounce off his knee and go in or something. Every step he runs with the ball, he looks like he's forgotten he's got the ball. <laughs> and then he looks down and he's like, oh yeah, I've got the ball. And then he does it again. Wasn't the one minute as well where he ran down like the Bullens Road end and he just absolutely burned someone yeah. for pace? And then put like a, a, a Cafu cross into the <laughs> box. It was brilliant. <laughs> that just completely slipped my mind. I completely forgot about that. But he is like, we're laughing here. And it's probably a bad sign that we're laughing because, but he is a bit like a cult hero. And yeah. ultimately, he isn't good enough, is he? No. You know, I know that sounds terrible, but he, he isn't good enough. But the question is, is he better than what we've got at the moment? And perhaps, but I'm, I'm going away from the original question <laughs> there. But yeah, Bernard would have liked to kept Walker on and on Saturday. I'd like to see Bernard's play, definitely. And if it means Richarlison up front, so be it. You know, on, I, I thought on Wednesday, uh, sorry, Tuesday, it would have been the perfect opportunity to give it a bit of a run. Mm. You know, when Richarlison came on and instead of taking Luckman off or mm. instead of bringing Niasse on at that time, actually played that formation and give it a go. But I still think we lack a bit of guile. I think Sigerson does provide that, but I don't think he's your traditional number 10. I know, I but saying that though, I'll contradict myself there because I read a stat this week that apart from David Silver, he's made like most of the number of key passes in the Premier League. So mm. maybe he does yeah. it. Maybe he's not all in your face doing it kind of thing but I think just another player in there like Bernard would, would open up a world of possibilities for us but oh, yeah. I just it's where you play him because Sigerson has to play number 10 particularly after that performance against Fulham I still think Walcott starts on the right so is it Bernard on the left and then Richarlison through the middle well I mean I've, I've been saying for a few weeks now I'm not sure it's necessarily key that Sigerson plays in that number 10 role I'd, I'd maybe probably not for a, an away game against Leicester I'd have probably done it for that, like a home game against you know a a, a, a bottom half team, Man, I, I, Man City. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who <were> they? <laughs> like I, I'd I'd move Sigurdsson a bit further back, and I'd play him alongside Gay as a sort of a deep lying playmaker because I think Gay needs someone like that next to him. Really, like Gay has been absolutely fantastic over the last couple of games that he's played, and we've also seen those tackling stats that he's put in like that that's been absolutely key to us I think but it's it's then his distribution like his passing accuracy is good but 
it's just these simple, you know, five and ten yard passes backwards and sideways. It's like it's when he tries to express himself a little bit more and take the ball forward. That's when you get what happens against West Ham, you know, and give him the ball away and then the, the opposition come at us a little bit more. I think if he's got Sigurdsson a bit closer to him, who I think can play in that sort of like box to box role, he's got the energy to do it. I, I just think Sigurdsson next to him, like imagine him like being sort of like an, an Arteta role when he was at Arsenal rather than when he was at Everton, like play, playing central, but like spraying passes about, you know, really trying to influence the game from deep. I don't think we've got enough of that, to be honest. Like even, even when Tom Davis plays, I think we all want him to be that kind of player, but he always gets a bit too caught up in his defensive responsibilities. Not sure that would really be the case for Sigurdsson. Like it'd be a, a bit more of an attacking setup. That's why I'd probably like to see it trialled out against maybe a bottom half sort of team. So it's maybe not one for this weekend, but... That's where I'd like to see it end up, anyway. Well, well, we'll use that last little bit to kind of segue ourselves into today's press conference. And one of the most, obviously, Adam, you were there. One of the most interesting things I thought was the the question about Tom Davis. I think this has gone a little bit under the radar in terms of outright asking the manager about it. Paul at the match on Tuesday. Some of the most audible groans seemingly come about when Tom gives the ball away or something doesn't quite come off. What are your thoughts on on, on this? Do, do you think that it's just kind of, you know, it kind of almost happened with Barkley? Do you think there's more pressure because he's a local lad? Do you think, you know, is, is, is there too much expectation on Davis or do you think that this is just what happens with a young lad playing central midfield in the Premier League? Yeah, I, th- I think there is expectations on him and it's not probably helped in the respect, even though I don't think he said to you, hasn't he? Hasn't the, the captain's not not been a hindrance to mm. him? But you know, if you give him the captaincy as well, you start in games, so the pressure comes even more so with that. I I was in the stands, not working on on uh, on Tuesday night, and I, a couple of times I turned round after the groans carried on, and, and believe me, I don't think he played well at all, and I don't think at this moment in time he deserves to be in the team. I, I don't always go along with this Barkley stuff, but you could tell he was becoming a bit of a boo boy on, on Tuesday night. And unfortunately, he's not helping himself with some of his, his passing and some of his control, the basics, really. He always wants the ball. He all, he never hides, does he? And I've absolute admiration for that because sometimes, unfortunately, I think Snidling does hide a little bit. Oh, I, think, I think Davis is the braver of the two players, mm-hmm. but the fundamentals are letting him down at the moment. Uh it, that makes it harder for me that he's becoming targeted a little bit because he is—he's he, a blue, isn't he? You know, yeah. he's—he's an academy graduate. He's everything that Evertonians want from a player. Uh, but fundamentally or ultimately, is he playing well enough to be in the team? I would say no. But the bigger question—the bigger question is who, who, who takes his place? Exactly. Who, who would who would come in and try and replace him at this at this point? I think the main, the one quote for me, about Davis that stood out today from Marco Silva was that he said, look, he's got he's got to convince me and he's got to convince the fans, but he's also got to convince himself. Yeah. And that and that makes me think, like, putting two and two together, that makes me think that there's obviously some sort of doubt in Tom Davis's mind now. And that can only be fueled by what what's happening whenever he's stepping out onto the pitch at Goodison Park. And, you know, that like that, there are the reasons for it. And I, I do get it, like... I'm not saying I've already said I don't think he had a very good game against Southampton. You know, as you said, their wheelow is his controls off, his decision making isn't great. Uh, 
I think against Arsenal, I think I noticed it quite a lot. Uh, he he was overhitting a lot of passes when he was trying to like he was at least trying to make things happen in that game, but he he was overhitting them. And I don't know. It's just I I, I just there's there's something inside me. I don't like seeing that happen to any to any Everton player, especially at the end of the day. It's a twenty year old lad who's come who's coming through. You know we. I, th- I think we maybe have some sort of warped expectations of him because of how good he looked when he was an eighteen-year-old, and you know he was, you know, t- absolutely taking the mick out of Man City in that in that one game. And I know everyone says, "Oh, but it was only one game," and well, you know, well, it wasn't really, was it? Like he had he had a he had a good run of form. Anyone who can do that chop and yeah, absolutely no. send Yaya Torre for yeah. the echo, yeah, is a player, aren't they? He has an absolutely good run of form. I seem to remember was it away against Hull. Yeah, yeah, one as well when he, he came. I think it was game, yeah, it seems Leicester think. on Boxing Day that one as well. I mm. think he came off the bench and just looked like an absolute like thirty year old. Well, looked like he'd been ways, in the team when for he years. came in the side, it but transformed that second half. Of the yeah, season, yeah, exactly. It? Yeah, yeah. He, at, that, at that point, he was he was a young kid coming in with no fear. Essentially, wasn't he? Like, he, like he, the Everton fans hadn't really seen much of him, and what they had seen of him from those youth level level games was quite quite amazing. So he's all like, I, I feel like throughout that. Spell of form, he always had their support, and when he was making mistakes, it was more of a oh, he's a young player, let's you know, give him the benefit of the doubt, let's see, let's see how this develops. And he's still that young player, like 20 years old is not is, is not an old player, like especially for the position he's playing in central midfield, like he's still got so much to learn, especially at being a Premier League player, a Premier League regular, now being an Everton captain in the Premier League, like he's got he has got so much on his shoulders and I know he says things like the captaincy don't affect him badly but when it's piled on top of he, he like he'll know he's not he's not performing at his best level yeah he knows the fans know he probably knows that Marco Silva knows as well and you know when all that's piled on to a young player it's only going to make things worse and I, I I just don't see any sort of easy solution for it at the minute because for me, I think he has to play because I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want Schneiderlin and Gay playing together. I don't. I just don't think they they mesh together. I don't think they suit each other. I I, I, I don't really want to see that. Like I think Davis and Gay over the last few games have proven that at least they can provide a, a bit of a solid wall, a bit of a a bit of a base for us to build off as well. So. I, th- I, th- I think it's got to be again. It's that word patience. It's got to be patience. That's got to see through. And I know it's, I know it's difficult at the minute, especially because we're not getting the results that we want. But I think it just has to be the way. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Do you think, in a way, then, Silver sees Davies? As his as his project or in, in the sense that, you know, a lot of what Adam just described there, a young player burst onto the scene, but the fans, you know, gradually kind of become a little bit impatient with him. Kind of describes Ross Barkley's Everton career, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And does it almost kind of say then Silver is kind of thinking along Adam's lines, you know, we haven't really got anyone else who can play. Let's give him the captaincy, let's keep giving them just these little boosts in confidence and, and hopefully it'll come good. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And, and isn't this about what Everton is trying to be at the moment? Because you can see that in the lineup with, you know, Kenny playing now at right back and instead of buying Martina like the club did last season. We've got a good academy, we've had an up a good academy for years and years. Isn't this what we should be doing? I think there's a, a right way of doing it. It's just it's almost you just want to get hold of him as a manager and Davis and just say, just keep it simple. You keep on working as hard as you can, keep on asking for that ball, but just give it simple. Don't give people the detractors yeah. a chance to by trying an over ambitious pass and there's, there's nothing wrong with trying to do that because you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't be negative or criticise someone trying to do something with a football because that's what it's all about but it's almost like just do the basics right first and the rest of it will come get your confidence back yeah. uh, and as I say but it's it's just difficult because it's the word you, you touched on again there Adam about being patient and I think as Evertonians everyone does have to be patient but it's just like we were speaking about in an earlier podcast, we all knew the defeat to West Ham was coming. We all knew we'd lose to Arsenal. And then everyone's seen Southampton coming in a way when you've seen, you know, when a lot of people, when they've seen the, the starting lineup. What Silva and Davis and everyone at the club's probably got going against them at the moment is history. Mm. You know, there's a lot of, it's not negativity, because I don't like blaming fans for being negative. If you've, if you've gone through 25 years without a trophy and all the ups and downs of the last few years with Michele coming in and then getting money, then Kuman and Martinez, Allardyce, there's a lot of history there, but it's, yeah, we, we do have to be patient, boys. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? I think when you look back, like, as you mentioned, Barkley there, when you look back, I think the th- main similarity that I can see with Barkley and Davis is that their, I think their turning point was born out of a run of bad form for the whole team, not just for them. Yeah. Like, especially, like, I think it's especially apparent with Davis. Like, last season, I feel, I feel like it's, it's getting increasingly difficult to judge anyone on what happened last season because that that's just such an anomaly like especially for number one a midfielder because what Koeman and Walsh were thinking with their transfer strategy last season in buying all those midfielders was that's absolutely beyond me so it's trying to be a midfielder with Koeman and his no system and then subsequently Allardyce with his uber defensive system trying to be a midfielder the way Tom Davis wants to be, you know, that box-to-box presence. That can't have been easy. And then add on to the fact that he's a 19-year-old. He's a 19-year-old lad. He's a boy up blue. He's going out there. He knows that the system's probably not right. He knows that, like, the confidence is down on the floor with the whole team. Like, there's only so much that one player can really do. I think it was more of a problem for the whole team than for just him. But obviously... With that comes the scapegoats, and I think Tom, unfortunately, became one of the scapegoats. And I, I do think that's unfair for for someone who, for someone who's so young. Like I, I think I just think given given a bit of time, given a bit of time, and as you say, Wheelow, go back to the basics. Maybe I think I think he I still think he'll be a really good player for Everton for the future. So patience seems to be the key word for for Tom Davis here and and amongst a, a lot of Evertonians as well. I, I think it's is fair to say S- two players we've had to be really patient to see in royal blue, Yedi Mina and Andre Gomez. Marco Silva's press conference today kind of give a little update, suggesting that we're all being good and well. They'll be back after the international break against Crystal Palace. Yeah. yeah. So Phil Kirkbride reported this week that the club are looking to organise a, a friendly to kind of give them some match fitness ahead of that. So say all is say all goes swimmingly over the international break and they do get the fitness. Paul, do Andre Gomez and Yeddy Mina go straight into Marco Silva's Everton team? 
I think given the length of time that they've been out, I'd be quite surprised if they're, they're in the starting lineup for Palace. But you know what, mate? You could well be right because Mina, given the outlay that's been uh, you know spent on him, you'd imagine he's going to be the first joint centre back. And the the more the weeks go by, the more like excited I get to see about Andre Gomez because I know by all accounts he had a bad time at Barcelona, but he was very good at Valencia before then. And like Adam was touching on before. Maybe he is the ball play ball playing midfielder to play next to guy yeah. if Sigerson doesn't drop back there and then give Davis a breather and mm. then say to Snyder, Now listen, you you're gonna to have to pick up your form. Yeah. You know, maybe he is the player. Everyone's been talking about Mina and waiting for Mina. Maybe it's Gomez is is the one we're waiting for. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd completely agree with that. I'd put I'd, I'd arguably put Gomez straight in there before Mina. I think yeah, we did play, pay a lot of money for Mina and at some point he does need to be first choice, but if Keenan Zuma keep playing the way that they're playing, I'd I'd be minded to not break them up as 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 much as possible. I think the one that lifts out for me is Keane. Like I think Mina and Zuma work much better than Mina and Keane would. I think Mina and Keane are a bit too similar for me. They're both both lacking that bit of recovery pace that Zuma's got. And I think that's what's made Keane and Zuma work so well in tandem with each other. Like whereas Keane's very physical and He's starting to read the game so much better. You know, he's. I think he made five interceptions at the weekend against Fulham, which is the the most out of anyone on the pitch for Everton, which was which is incredible to see because it means he's getting he's got that confidence back finally, and we're starting to see that kind of Michael Keane that was playing under Sean Dyche at Burnley. I'd just be I'd be a bit disappointed if Yerry Mina was fit again and instantly it was just our uh, Michael back to the bench. But at the same time, football is. T- made up of tough decisions, isn't it? And maybe that just does have to be one of the tough decisions that Marco Silva makes. But as as we've just said, there it's all about getting Mina fit at the end of the day. Yeah. From from what we've spoke about today regarding midfield, do you think that Andre Gomez could be the most important sign we made over the summer? Uh, I don't think I'd go that far. I still think Richarlison's going to be got to be the most the most important because he he just provides absolutely something else in attack something that even even Bernard can't can't provide what Richarlison can do I think Gomez could could potentially turn out to be a really important sign and the the thing the things that stick with me is the fact that he's only on loan yeah so I'm, I'm minded to not get all too excited about him yet and the fact that he did he did really struggle at Barcelona and I know Barcelona's a tough place to go at the best of times you know they're Arguably, well, arguably the biggest club in the world. That Messi's all right, isn't he? Yeah, you know he's he's not he's not a bad. He's, not, he's not bad at all. Yeah, he'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll make he'll make a lot of other people look a bit worse. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it's it's all about whether Gomez can recreate that kind of form that he was shown at Valencia and Benfica beforehand. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, we ha- we have to we have to wait and see, and that's I think as 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 we've already said so many times, it's about that patience and. Yeah, patience is running thin in a, in a lot of respects. Like I think in this respect mostly, you just want to see the summer signings getting on the pitch now, don't you? Do you do you think them two still not having made the debut for Everton? Paul kind of stops. Debut. 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 De- <laughs> debut. Don't know what just happened there. <laughs> Debut. Uh, do you yeah. think? <laughs> do you think Mina and Gomez still waiting to make their debut? Is kind of stopping it all just kind of boiling over too much you know because you still know you've got the you know a 30 ma- a 30 million pound centre back and, and a player 
on loan from Barcelona to, to still come in. And I think there's just that sense, isn't it, that they, they could really make a, a big difference when they do come back. Yeah, I agree. And, and I know what you're saying about boarding over there. I just think a win against Southampton in a week and it's a totally different mood in yeah. the fan base in this room today. And even if we Everton was to go to, to Leicester on Saturday and lose, the mood would still be different. Yeah. But all that aside, you, you're right because you've got to feel for Silver and respect that he's not seen two of his big summer signings yet. You know, with these are not these are his players. Bernard's not until the midweek he hadn't started the game so in many respects he's working with the players who who just didn't perform last season did they and in some cases don't look like they're going to perform again this season so yeah it, it is it's just frustration and again it comes down to that key word patience we've all got to have it as, as Evertonians uh, and maybe it will be after the international break that we start seeing you know Silver's side is, is true team for, for what he wants for Everton <laughs> So, Adam, tomorrow you're making the trip to the King Power Stadium mm-hmm. with Mr. Dave Prentice. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to enjoy that. You are. You will enjoy that. Uh, what are your expectations? Obviously, Sil- Silver said in the press conference today, you know, which was something that we didn't see much of last year, he said, you know, we're going there to win. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you believe him? Do you think we're going to go out there and we're going to play the expansive football that we've seen in the second half against Full? I haven't seen anything to suggest otherwise. I think away from home, our, our performances in general have been pretty good like we we should have should have definitely come out out with a win against Bournemouth should have probably come out with a win against Wolves you know really should have beat Arsenal if, if we're being particularly honest like yeah. I think I think away from home like we we have shown so far this season that it's been very different to last season that we have gone at teams and even when we've had a man sent off we've still gone to attack them so I think I think we will see a, a return to that you know high press and intense in your face kind of attitude and I think that's that's what a game against Leicester is going to always be like isn't it they're, they're going to bring that to the table so yeah. I think the best way to do that is fight fire with fire go at them in in the, in the same manner I think, I think we, it's safe to expect goals to be, yeah. to, to be honest tomorrow but f- fingers crossed an away performance can finally produce a result do you think it's important for Silva to kind of get that away duck off his back and, and open his cap open his account in the Premier League away from home. Yeah, again, considering what happened in midweek, it's almost like the, the honeymoon period's over slightly, isn't it, at the moment? And the the, the only way you can you know, like banish or start to banish those memories of what happened in midweek against Southampton is by, by winning tomorrow at the very least gain a point. I, I'm with Adam. I think it's uh, in, a, in a strange way, Leicester's another ground in recent years that we don't seem to have done too well on, particularly. I remember when Unzi was in charge last season, oh, wasn't he? That was a low point, that, that by the way, wasn't it? Bad. It was bad. When Kenny somehow managed to like backslice it <laughs> into the far corner. Oh, I felt so sorry for him when that it went. It was. It was a tough one, that yeah. wasn't That was the point, though. Beningami I think. came on in that second half and played really well, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. Is he fit at the moment? Injured. Or is he injured? No, he's, he's, he back? He's, he's fit. Yeah, he's, he's straight on with the squad, isn't he? That Leicester game was almost the one, though, where I remember thinking, like, you know what, we could get relegated here. Because we were playing with such a lack of character and identity that it was just like, you couldn't believe that we had all these kind of expensive players playing because we just got absolutely add off, really, didn't we, from start to finish? Well, we did have Ashley Williams playing at centre-back, to be fair. We good, did. good word, that identity, though. You've made me feel a bit more positive because at least with Silva, we are seeing identity, aren't we? Yeah. We are still seeing. It's just... You, you, it's going to take a bit of time, isn't it, to, to to get it? And once the players are back, we might even see more of it. And it's you, you're right; there is a bit of an identity forming at the moment. But yeah, it's a big game on Saturday. I wouldn't have said that earlier in the week, but for me, it is. It's a big game now. Mm-hmm. We need to go there with a response. No, I agree. 
did, did you think, Adam, that four months into Silver's reign we'd be talking about uh, an away trip to Leicester being a big game? Or do you think this is just part and parcel of what we're, what we're trying to build at the club and, and not being trying not to be too reactionary, really? Yeah, I, th- I think at the end of the day, we've all got to remember what how big a project this is for not just for Silver, but for all the new faces at the club, you know, like some Marcel Brands as well, or like all the new players, all the new staff. Like, it's going to take a, a, a long while to really settle in and really put across this new I- identity that we want to bring in. Like, because I think we're maybe underestimating how bad last season was last <laughs> season. Like, I, know, I know that sounds weird to say, but like, last season was so, so bad. We, like, we can't expect just a, a string of amazing results instantly. Like, we are going to have to go through some tough times, but you know, I think it, it it was always going to come down to the fact that a game like a game against Leicester, they're going to be probably our main challengers for seventh this season. I think that was always going to be a big game for me. So, fingers crossed, we can actually have them this time. And Paul, just before we 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 sign off with our score predictions for tomorrow's game, one of the the biggest talking points. Of this week was while Everton were crashing out of the Carabao Cup, Mr. Vlasic was uh, slaying Real Madrid in the Champions League. Silva again was asked about uh, Vlasic today, and he kind of left the door ajar for for him to return. I've seen contrasting comments on on social media about Vlasic last season. What are your thoughts on him? I just thought it was textbook Everton, wasn't it? Like you know, <laughs> you've just seen well, second the night we, side. The night we got knocked out, uh, Vlasic scored. Balassi scored last minute equaliser. Bessic scored, uh, scored. Yeah, so there was a, it was a pretty good night for yeah. Everton's lone stars, I think. Uh, yeah, but it's it's just yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? You know, you, you can't get in our second string side that can't beat Southampton's second string side. But you know what? Managers are there to make uh, to be decisive, aren't they? And they had a look at him in pre-season. Don't particularly agree with it personally. I thought he might have been worth a go in some kind of respect, but he made that decision and he's gone there and he's got the winner against uh, Real Madrid. So every credit to the lad. And you never know, it, it might help him, you know, get a career at Everton still. You just uh, don't know. And as as Phil Kirkbride reported, Adam, that Vlasic apparently rates himself as the best central midfielder in the Everton squad when he when he left the Blues. Do you, do you think at the moment, or from Tuesday's evidence, do you think that could potentially be true, or do you think we're just seeing a goal against Real Madrid and kind of jump to conclusions? Yeah, from what from what I've seen of Vlasic, I wasn't particularly bothered when he was sent out on loan. I, I think he, he saw like we saw flashes of maybe perhaps something being there, but like his two best games were against Apple on Limassol. At the end of the day, they were. They were farmers, really, weren't they? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it, it's really, it's really hard to judge him on performances like that. I don't know. Like, if I'm, if I'm looking at it objectively, if he'd have stayed at Goodison Park over the summer, would he have got into that Southampton team? I don't think so. Who in, dropped into out? the team that played Southampton, into, or into to Mark Hughes and Southampton? No. <laughs> <laughs> into that team who started against Southampton. Who's, who drops out? Maybe Dowell at best. I'd probably. I'd, say. I'd, I'd, I'd still. I thought I thought, Schne- I thought Schneiderlin was absolutely outrageously bad against Southampton. Yeah, I know. Yeah, in hindsight, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I understand that. It, it kind of is uh, all hindsight as well. Yeah. But you just want like people like that again, Davis. I know going over all ground there. I know we're finishing, but you want someone like him to step up at the moment, don't you? Because yeah. Davis is going through a bit of a tough time, but he's a kid. But yeah. he's trying to yeah. get through it. Yeah. You just need like Guy has done in recent weeks, like mm-hmm. you said, Adam. You just need really him to step up on on Wednesday yeah. on Tuesday night mm-hmm. so Everton head away to Leicester tomorrow when is the last time we won away was it Stoke 
last season? Oh, no, Huddersfield. Huddersfield away. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, not, that's not too bad then. So, we're aiming for our first away win of this season. Scores on the doors, Adam? As much as I want to say 10 nil <laughs> to Everton. I'm, I'm on my dad. I like um, that you have to qualify that. Yeah. Just because I didn't say nil 10. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 3 1 to Everton. 3 1 to Everton? Yeah. Paul? I'm older, so a bit more cynical. I'm going to say 2 2. A 2 2. There does seem like there's generally going to be goals in this one. So, after the. Uh, the contents of today's podcast. I'm going to say 2-1, last minute, Tom Davis, 25 yards. Yes. Kales oh, one into the top one. That'd be a nice way to... That would be brilliant. You know what? That'd be a really wholesome way to finish yeah. things, wouldn't it? Yeah. And to just go... I think there is like kind of what you were saying before about the lone players. You know, and you see it on social media, like Everton that. And I think we, that's the kind of thing we really need to draw a line under. You know, there was... When we lost against Southampton on Tuesday, I kind of just did shrug my shoulders and was like, expected it. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully this new silver rain can kind of draw a line under all that. So tomorrow, Adam Jones will be heading to the King Power Stadium to bring you live coverage of the Everton clash with Leicester. You can keep up to date with all the action on Liverpool Echo website. And hopefully we'll be joining you again early on next week to discuss a nice Everton away victory. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.